This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. So subhanallah, in the midst of everything that's going on and in the midst of feeling the departure of Ramadan, um, we have an entire month inshallah ta'ala where we're going to now be connecting or reconnecting with the Qur'an ta'ala in a way that hopefully will give us a greater appreciation for it, a greater connection to our recitation, and uh, allow us to connect to different elements of the Qur'an. So this is the first uh, episode of Qur'anic parables, the amthad that are in the Qur'an. And the way that this is going to work, inshallah ta'ala, is that every week we're going to take one mathal, one of the parables, and we're going to speak about it from three aspects. One is the historical context. The other, the second thing we're going to talk about is the parable itself. And the third thing are some of the practical elements that we can derive in our day-to-day uh, from this parable. And inshallah ta'ala, the three of us, uh, Dr. Uthman, Ustada Tasneem, and myself, will be um, rotating what we talk about in regards to the parable every week, inshallah ta'ala. And uh, tomorrow, we'll have Quranic miracles. And if you look at the schedule below, you'll see that every night we have something, but I do want you to pay attention to tomorrow in specific, which is going to be the miracles of the Quran. That's going to be exclusively on Yaqeen's platform. So same time, but make sure that you're watching on Yaqeen's platforms, inshallah ta'ala. So either through Yaqeen's Facebook or YouTube, and inshallah ta'ala will be uploaded to all other Yaqeen platforms. And then Wednesday night, inshallah ta'ala will continue and uh, we'll, we'll move to the, next, uh, to the next aspect of the Quran that we are covering. So without further ado, inshallah ta'ala, I want to hand it off to Dr. Uthman uh, Umarji, inshallah, to talk about uh, the historical context of the method of the parable that we're going to cover today. Jazakum khair. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi man wala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he presents a number of parables in the Quran that are meant to make us think and reflect. As Allah says, وَتِلْكَ الْأَمْثَالُ نَضْرُبُهَا لِلنَّاسِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ So the whole purpose is to create these analogies that make us think deeply about the Quran in our lives. The very first parable we want to speak about today comes in Surah Al-Baqarah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he begins Surah Al-Baqarah by giving us um, the situation in Medina. And the Prophet Muhammad has given instructions about the three types of people that he will encounter in Medina and their characteristics and their attributes. And the first of those is the believers, the second is the disbelievers, and the third are the hypocrites. And the hypocrites, again, are unique because there were no hypocrites in Mecca because there was no um, benefit in, in being an undercover Muslim during that time. It was a very difficult time. But when Islam began to flourish in Medina, uh, hypocrites began to arise. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, right when it begins, He quickly gives us a snapshot into who are the believers, Allah tells us, The believers are those who, number one, believe in that which is beyond human perception. They are those who establish their prayers, and there are those who give from that which Allah has given them. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a very quick insight into the disbelievers. And Allah says, so Allah tells us very quickly about those who've been given the message, but just they don't care to listen whatsoever. Their hearts are sealed, their eyes are sealed, their ears are sealed. Allah says they will not believe no matter what. And so these two descriptions of believers and disbelievers are rather straightforward. And their characteristics are rather obvious. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then wants to tell us about the nature of hypocrisy, 
and the subtleness of hypocrisy and the dangers of hypocrisy, he elaborates over numerous ayat. And then he finishes that entire conversation about hypocrisy with the first and one of the most beautiful parables in the Quran, which is what Sheikh Omar will speak about uh, in the next few minutes. And what I find beautiful about this parable is that it actually gives us a foundation for the language of the Quran, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will actually use specific terminology regarding belief, uh, regarding disbelief, and regarding hypocrisy. So I'll pass it off to Sheikh Omar to discuss that parable in more detail. So the parable is actually the first mathal in the Quran, it's the first parable, and you could look through the wonderful job that the creative team at Yaqeen has done in turning these into animated GIFs, inshallah ta'ala. So please do uh, look at it as well to really get an understanding uh, for how deep it is and the imagery uh, that's being given to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is verse 17 of Surah Al-Baqarah, مَثَلُهُمْ كَمَثَلِ الَّذِي اسْتَوْقَدَ نَارًا فَلَمَّا أَضَاءَتْ مَا حَوْلَهُ ذَهَبَ اللَّهُ بِنُورِهِمْ وَتَرَكَهُمْ فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ لَا يُبُصِرُونَ Allah says the example of them or the example is like one who kindles a fire but once it illuminates all that is around him Allah took away the light and left them in darkness so that they could not see so again the example is like a, a person uh, who kindles a fire the fire illuminates everything around it it brings light Allah takes away the light and leaves them in darkness so that they can no longer see. Uh, there's so much to speak about here in terms of what we take from this life, what we intend to commit to in regards to uh, what we believe uh, pertaining to the hereafter and salvation, and then the consequences of that belief. And one of the things about the hypocrites, as Dr. Uthman said, they, they jumped on board, they jumped on the bandwagon only in Medina when there was a benefit to being a believer. And so they wanted to claim the benefits of being Muslims, but not necessarily undergo the trials of being Muslim. So anytime a commitment came forward, anytime there was anything that required hardship without benefits, then they'd find an excuse and they'd find a way to pull back. So whether that was going out in battle uh, to defend the borders of Medina at that time, the community in Medina, uh, whether that was going to the prayers where they would not be seen. So they wouldn't even bother going to Fajr and Isha, you might have heard the hadith of the Prophet where he said the most difficult prayers on the hypocrites are Fajr and Isha. Now it's not just because Fajr is hard to wake up for and Isha is, is you know late in the night, it's because if you went to the masjid at Fajr or Isha at that time without artificial lighting, you weren't going to be seen. Uh, so you wouldn't claim the benefits, the public benefits of being a Muslim. Uh, because you, you would not be noticed in the first place. So why would the hypocrites bother going to Fajr and Isha? if they weren't going to get the credit in the community of going out to Salah. So they only went to the Salawat where they would be seen. They made their, their presence obnoxiously known when they were there. And uh, they pulled back and they found excuses when there was any hardship. And so again, they sought the benefits of belief, but at the same time, they did not want to uh, undertake the consequences or suffer the consequences uh, of belief. And it's not necessarily just suffering the consequences, it's the natural uh, commitment uh, and what comes with a natural commitment to faith. They did not want to commit themselves to anything that entailed hardship. They just wanted to benefit. The believers are people who will believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purely because they believe in Allah. And they will commit themselves to belief because it's truth. 
and they will do what is asked of them because they believe that success lies in following the commandments of Allah and the Messenger And sometimes that's going to have a lot of pain and hardship uh, you know, uh, entailed or, or embedded within that commitment. And so uh, there are different levels of pain. There's the hardship of just waking up and going to Salat al-Fajr when no one would see you. There's the hardship uh, of going to battle alongside the Prophet and not fleeing from his side. Uh, there, there's the hardship of being ostracized or stigmatized when you find yourself once again in a Meccan climate. There, there are so many different things that they have to undergo. But the point is about these believers is that they're willing to undergo the consequences of belief in this life. And they don't necessarily need worldly benefits in order to commit themselves and believe. And that's how you know if you're sincere or not. Uh, you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away the benefit of your belief in, in this life, do you still commit to it? You know, when you talk about ikhlas, when you talk about sincerity, when people aren't watching you anymore, are you still doing the deed? And are you doing it with the same level of commitment and sincerity and humility that you would do if there were eyes on you from others? If you're being ostracized and stigmatized, are you still going to commit to your faith? Or are you only going to do it where it's comfortable? Do you act Muslim in some context and not in other contexts? So the point is, is that these are people that, uh, that, that want to benefit only in this life from deen, but don't really even believe in the hereafter in the first place or are, not, are certainly not acting towards the hereafter. So Allah says they're like a people that kindle this fire and it lights up everything around them. The light refers to the benefits. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then Allah takes away the light. And this is referring to death now, where they can no longer benefit from that belief or that claim of being believers in any societal sense or in any personal sense in this world anymore. The light has been taken away, i.e. they have died. But they have not faced the consequences of belief in this life while they were claiming its benefits. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left them in darkness where they could not even uh, see anymore. Uh, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah has a very powerful explanation of this. He says, notice that Allah did not take away the fire. He didn't take away the burning. Allah only took away the light. He took away the light. But they remain in, with the fire, with the pain. Why? Because the fire, the burning part, the pain part now is in the hereafter, uh, where their hypocrisy is unveiled and they have to deal with the consequences of their hypocrisy now in the hereafter where you can't hide anything or uh, falsely claim any benefits anymore. So the nur has been taken away from them, but the burning remains. Now I want you to, to move with me to Surah Al-Hadid, uh, which is Surah uh, 57, verse 13. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this image of the hypocrites and the believers together once again. Now, the hypocrites and the believers, when they're together in this life uh, or in the same space, the same physical space, you can't tell the difference between them. There are signs, but ultimately, they're all Muslims. They're all in the same space. Uh, they're all outwardly professing the same things. But on the Day of Judgment now, Allah is talking about that community being sorted. And Allah says, يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُنْذُرُونَ نَقْتَ بِسْمٍ نُورِكُمْ قِيلَ ارْجِعُوا وَرَاءَكُمْ فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا and 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the day that the hypocrite men and the hypocrite women say to the believing men and believing women as they're going ahead, as they're starting to walk further, they're saying, Wait, wait, we want to benefit from your light. You have light, we don't have light. We want to benefit. It's dark over here. We're afraid we want to have your light. And those believers will turn to them and say, Go back. And go back here means go back to the life of that world if you can. And kindle your light there like we did then. Uh, and, and that will benefit you uh, today. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, a barrier erected between them. Um, inside of that barrier is mercy. Outside of it is punishment and torment. So outside of it is the punishment and the consequences. Inside now is the mercy for those believers. يُنَادُونَهُمْ أَلَمْ نَكُنْ مَعَكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَا وَلَكِنَّكُمْ فَتَنْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَتَرَبَّصْتُمْ وَارْتَبَتُمْ وَغَرَّتْكُمُ الْأَمَانِي حَتَّى جَاءَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ وَغَرَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ The hypocrites call out to them and say, were we not with you? And they will say, yes, the believers will respond, but you afflicted yourselves, you awaited, you hesitated, you doubted, and wishful thinking deluded you until the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to you and the deceiver deceived you concerning Allah. So the believers have gone forward with the light. They, they burned with faith in this life, meaning in this life they, they felt pain and, and consequence and hardship for being sincere believers. But now Allah has removed the pain and all they have is the light in the hereafter, stretching forth from their right and from in front of them. The hypocrites only have the burning. Lastly, if you go to subhanAllah, Surah Tahreem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, and Surah Tahreem is Surah uh, 66, Verse 8, Allah says, Allah says that, O you believe, repent to Allah with sincere repentance. Perhaps your Lord will remove from you your misdeeds and admit you into gardens beneath which rivers flow on the day when Allah will not disgrace the Prophet nor those who believed with him. Their light will proceed before them and on their right. And what are they asking for now as they've gone forward and they've left the hypocrites behind? They're saying, Rabbana atmim lana nurana. Oh Allah, maintain this light for us. Perfect this light for us. Waqfir lana and forgive us. And verily, you are upon all things powerful and competent. So subhanAllah, it's the image from the beginning of the hypocrites kindling the fire and benefiting from the light only while not de dealing with the hardship of belief to the end of this, which is given throughout the Qur'an, the end result of this, which is the believers going forward with only the light and the hypocrites being left behind with only the fire. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst the sincere believers that carry the light uh, forward. Uh, on the day of judgment. Allahumma ameen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really to add to that, Assalamu uh, alaikum everyone. Um, thank you for the, both the introduction to the parable. And one thing that I wanted to focus is to sort of bring bring that home in the sense of what does that mean for us today? But before I get to that, I want to talk about, you know, 
at, at least my understanding of the parable and the implications that it holds and hopefully how that can shape our understanding. But as Sheikh Omar was mentioning that you have this idea, this notion of light, there's different types of light. You have an ila'a, uh, which is referring to just this general light versus nur. And nur is, all, is used throughout the Quran constantly to refer to, of course, the, the nur, the, specifically the light, but also in, in uh, as, as an, uh, a word for a guidance. Um, it's always in contrast to, you know, al-dalal or al-dhulumat, this darkness, that this this misguidance. So nur is not simply just light, but it's this this light that involves us through the guidance of uh, of being Muslims, of having this, uh, you know, Islam to guide guide our way. So the point being is that you have this contrast. So the, what the parable is essentially saying is that they're lighting this fire. And despite the fight, the fact that this light is is coming up, you have this, what we would perceive as light. It's, now you can see, you have the, the, these, these hypocrites have this light, but they don't have the nur. So there's this contrast. And so despite the fact that they can see, they're not actually guided. And I, I bring this up to connect it to some of my absolute favorite verses in the Quran. And it's from Surah Al-Qasas, which is um, chapter 28, verses 71 to 72, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, could you imagine, in sarmadan ila Can you imagine this, this notion, this, this fact that I can make it nighttime all the time uh, until the day of judgment? Forever, it's always going to be dark. Many like who, who else other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would you call upon to be able to change this reality that I can make it, we can just tomorrow comes around, there's, the sun doesn't rise and forever it is dark until the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do that. And he's, he's telling us this in the Quran, that it's going to always be dark. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what's incredible about this is that he ends the ayah by saying, can you not hear? And, and I'll get back to this, but the next, the very next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked the same question. Have you ever thought about the fact that I can make it light, I can make it daytime and nahar all the time until the day of judgment? That it will always be light, there will never be darkness, there will never, you know, Who other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bring you nighttime that you can rest other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he ends this ayah by saying, Can you not see? And I, was, I had talked about this in Ramadan, but I, the, what always was fascinating to me about this ayat is that I would, I would mix up the endings, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first says, it's always going to be nighttime. It's always going to be dark out. Your sense of hearing is naturally increased in the darkness. That when there's no light, you can hear more. Those who, are, who, who don't have a sense of sight, uh, their, their uh, capacity to hear is much stronger than us. And so naturally you would think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say, okay, it's dark all the time. Can you not see? What does he say? Can you not hear? That despite the fact that your sense of hearing is now at its highest, can you still not hear? And likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, uh, I'm going to make it daytime. I'm going to make this, I'm going to have this light all the time. Can you still not see despite the fact that it's light all the time? And really the connection between these, these verses, which are so powerful, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, listen, I can make it daytime all the time. You can still not see. You can't see what's in front of you still. It'll be dark all the time. You can hear your best, but you still can't hear. And that in this in this parable in Surah Al-Baqarah, that what's happening is that they're lighting a fire. A fire in, in the darkness, a fire at night is going to light up everything around you. But what? 
you still can't see, that nur is still not available to you, that 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 what around you can be lit up. We can have it daytime all the time, but we can't see what's in front of us. That 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 sense of true sight, that sense of true guidance is still we're still deprived of that. And 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 I think the most relevant aspect of this is the fact that. Today, we often think that we know exactly what we're talking about, that we know, you know, we're so confident in what we're saying, we're so confident in what we hear, that, you know, we, a lot of times we just reiterate, we retweet, we do whatever it is, uh, when we see what we see. And we think that, no, all the proof is right in front of us. We have all the facts, we have all the Quranic verses, we have all of these arguments, these debates on social media, in person, we know exactly what we're talking about, we're so confident in the way we talk about things that we, we, we were so in, in what we see and what we hear. And, um, you know, and sometimes hypocrisy is, is we associate it with this, you know, massive sin, this, this site, the state in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's so terrible. But a lot of times these minor aspects of hypocrisy are so prevalent within us that because we think of them as minor, it's something that we, you know, don't really consider in depth. Right. And so now you have this, this this very prominent aspect of hypocrisy where you're seeing things you think you're seeing things but you're not actually seeing them and so this this and you know the various conversations about this within the quran is a reminder to really sort of question sometimes the things that you do and and Shukumar had mentioned specifically this this idea of like bandwagoning that you know something comes up a trend comes up um you know Things change so quickly. Our sense of morality, sometimes we question that, how can the Qur'an possibly say this? How can the, the Prophet ﷺ possibly have done this? And it's, it, this is a reminder to sort of pause and to think to ourselves, yes, we see the things that we do today, we see the world as it is today, but is this true sight, right? And, we have, we, and from this is sort of this questioning of, you know, everything that we see and hear, that is very much based off of our limited context, really the bubbles that we're living in. And it's a reminder to, to really be humble in terms of our sources of knowledge and our pursuit of knowledge um, and the way we engage with others, knowing that there's always room for mistake, that there's always room for you know, not having that true, that true guidance. And most of all, it's an important reminder to, to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that nur. You don't want just light in your life. You want nur, you want that light and, uh, you know, filled with guidance from Allah And so hopefully this serves as a reminder to, to really just be wary of your surroundings and, and ask Allah for true sight and for true hearing. Dr. Yeah, one of the things, there's so many angles as I'm hearing both of you speak that this, these parables just have infinite amount of lessons. Uh, one of the things that I thought about is that if there's so much imagery in this. And so I was thinking, SubhanAllah says, imagine a parable of people who light a fire. And I'm like imagining, I love to go camping and people like to go out in the middle of the darkness in the forest. If it's pitch black and you light a fire, I mean, that fire makes you feel warm. That fire allows you to see where you could go. And of course, if you're not careful, you could fall into it and burn yourself. And so Allah is giving us this deep parable to make us hate hypocrisy that look, if you, if Allah we're all in darkness, right? We all were lost at some point in our life. It was because of Islam that we're able to have the nur to see the reality of this life. And that's a dua, Tasneem, you just brought this point. You know, Allah allows us to see the truth as the truth so we can follow it. And I think sometimes we think something's the truth when it's not because we're getting wrong information. But going back to the parable that Allah, when he lights this fire, that has warmth, it has nur, it has 
um, everything we want from it. If we choose not to act upon the guidance, then Allah will snatch away the nur of that. And he tells us the hypocrites are left with this. There's still a fire, but it's got no light at all. So I want us to think about when you're camping, imagine if you lit a fire and now you were like, okay, I know exactly where to go to the bathroom or on the trail. And then all of a sudden the fire, it disappears in terms of the light, but it's still burning. And how would that feel to have to walk around a campsite or walk around a place where there was a burning fire, but you could not see it? You would be scared out of your mind. And I believe this is an insight into the psychology of a hypocrite that deep down there is this conflict because they know they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and they're feeling this anguish behind it. And, and that is what Allah is describing to us. You know, that state of psychological torture that you knew what was right. You didn't follow it. And now here's the consequence of not following the guidance that you have been given. So may Allah subhanahu wa make us amongst those who always follow the nur of Islam. So that way our hearts may be illuminated. SubhanAllah. And there's also something about control, right? Like you think you control the reward, you think you control the process. And uh, the hypocrite thinks they, they kind of got it figured out. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this on, on, the, on the Friday webinar about um, the Ramadan blues. Woman that whoever turns away uh, from my remembrance, then they have a constricted life and then they, they arise on the day of judgment uh, blind. Uh, and they say, uh, That's something very powerful that uh, it's lost sometimes in the tafsir or the reflections on that verse. That that person on the day of judgment says to Allah, why did you make me blind? And I used to be able to see. So they attributed sight to themselves, the ability to see to themselves but attributed the taking away of the sight, the blindness to Allah, when it's supposed to be like the opposite, right? That goodness comes from you, evils from myself. But it's like you've got it turned around, you've got it flipped upside down. Wait a minute, I could see, it's entitlement. I could see and you took away my sight. Whereas the believer, subhanAllah, their humility, even in the moments where they've gone ahead and they've got the light you know, extending from their, their hands in front of them, they're saying, Rabbana atmim lana nurana. Oh Allah, perfect this light for us. We can't do it on our own. We're deficient. We're not in control. Oh Allah, perfect this light for us. Oh Allah, keep this light for us. Because the believer understands that guidance is such a gift that subhanAllah, with all of its consequences and hardships and trials in this life, it's so worth it. It's so worth what it comes with in terms of hardship in this life. And we're so blessed if Allah gives it to us. Uh, and you know, it's not something we did. It's 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 the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this great blessing of guidance and being able to appreciate guidance and being able to act on guidance, right? So it's like, you know, the, the, the hypocrite is thinks they got it figured out. They're trying to control it, channel it here or there, and then eventually they burn themselves, right? They, it catches up with them. The plot fails. And they never really got fulfillment in this life because the world that they were pursuing using something so valuable and precious that could have given them comprehensive happiness. The, this world is not giving them happiness. So life was constricting. So it wasn't really light. And I think that was a beautiful distinction that Stad the Tasneem gave between, uh, you know, uh, Allah and, and uh, Noor, um, you know, just as pure light. It was, it had issues. And then on the day of judgment, it's taken away and it's just burning. SubhanAllah. So here it's disappointment. On the day of judgment, it's burning. Uh, for the believer, uh, here is fulfillment, and on the day of judgment is reward, is light and reward, right? So here is fulfillment that 
even if I'm struggling, it's worth it. And, uh, I'm, you know, it's, it's for the sight of Allah. And then on the day of judgment, the reward is from Allah and I'm okay with that. It's like a very interesting, um, you know, subhanAllah, the, the psychology, I think, which you spoke about, the psychology of the hypocrite here and what that speaks to. So, like, what's the most practical thing? I think, if, you know, maybe all of us can just give, like, a really quick, like, what's the most practical thing you take from this? Like, in Islamic work and worship, like, right now we're all quarantined um, or kind of quarantined, depending on what state you're in, uh, you know. And and so we're, we're having to learn to do these acts of worship on our own, right? So what's the most practical, like, just one thing that you take from this that just shouts out to you? What comes to my mind immediately is that hadith, the Prophet Muhammad you know, hypocrisy has many flavors. There's the total hypocrite and there's the one who's doing acts of hypocrisy. And for us to be just so cautious about even doing the littlest acts that are tangentially related to being a hypocrite. So when we speak, do we ever lie, right? When we're entrusted with something, do we ever break that promise? And, and if we do that, again, the consequence is not to, Allah does not get harmed in any way shape or form by the things that we do, but the consequence is that Allah will remove the nur from our lives. And that is the most dangerous thing that could happen to one to think about that by me telling the silly lie, by me spilling the secret I was entrusted with, that Allah is going to remove my ability to see things for what they really are, to hear things and benefit from them. So that's when I think about like just whatever, just being cautious about falling under any act that would possibly brand me as associated with a hypocrite. Allahu alam. Very powerful. Um, I think something specifically in the context now that we're uh, away from each other physically, that we're more on social media, and that's just uh, a deep hole that really can can suck you in. Um, it's a, a place that we can easily fall victim to this, uh, you know, to a lot of false information or just a lot of information that might be hard to connect the dots. And one thing that I'm very, very particular about is uh, number one, being open to criticism, accepting the fact that the way you perceive information, the way you, you connected the dots might not be entirely correct, um, but also being wary of that type of information that's going around and to really protect your heart and soul when you're re constantly reading different things um, out of context. And so hopefully that's a, you know something that you can relate to because there's a lot that's it's very overwhelming when you see all this information. And again, not to say, oh, don't pursue knowledge or you know don't trust anything, but again, just it's really just a reminder for humility that you can always be wrong um, and that others can also always be wrong, but asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, begging him, um, as uh, uh, Dr. Uthman mentioned, the, the dua, Allahumma arin haqqa haqqan farzuqna tiba'ahu, that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show us truth as it is and, and grant us the ability to follow that truth. Um, that I think is something that we should always make the Subhanallah, the hadith, uh, that a secret charity extinguishes the anger of your Lord, right? It, it still sort of falls within that same imagery, right? And so, Sadaqatu uh, Sir is a secret charity, but I think the greatest uh, takeaway we can take from this is what are your secret good deeds, right? The hypocrites have bad secrets that come out on the Day of Judgment what are the secrets of the sincere believers that come out on the day of judgment? And do we have enough of those secrets uh, to make up our light on the day of judgment? And I pray that Allah make us amongst them. Zakallah khairan to both of you for, uh, for your beautiful reflections and thoughts, inshallah ta'ala. So we'll be on next week talking about Quranic parables, but again, you can look below and you'll see all of the programs that we have throughout the week, inshallah. 
Uh, tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, you can tune in to Miracles of the Qur'an with Sheikh Muhammad al-Shinawi and Sheikh Suleiman Hani who uh, have both written wonderful papers on the Miracles of the Qur'an and that's going to be on Yaqeen's platforms inshallah ta'ala, so make sure that you tune in and uh, we'll continue to be with you every night inshallah ta'ala uh, for the weeknights uh, throughout this month and we pray that Allah allow us to develop a love and a deeper connection to the Qur'an and that Allah protect us from hypocrisy and fill our hearts with guidance and fill our actions with uh, with with uh, with its complete pleasure, inshallah ta'ala, that we meet Allah and we have that light together on the Day of Judgment. Jazakallah khairan to all of you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.